So Genesis chapter 50, beginning at verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's where we'll stop reading right there. And, uh, if nothing else, I just read you a good lesson in forgiveness. These men were genuinely sorrowful for what they had did to their brother. And they got down on their knees before him and cried. How oft have you seen somebody ask someone to forgive them? It's just about a thing of the past anymore. We've let pride eat us up. But I wanted to get down to verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And so the little thought that we got, if the Lord will help us for a few minutes, is God's plan for you. Sometimes things happen in life and we don't always understand it. And I guess the first time I ever used this scripture was at a funeral, the first funeral I ever had. And uh, pastored at Round Mountain, and we had a little boy that was five, had just turned six, was thrown from a, uh, from an ATV, and the uh, head hit the pavement. And he never knew anything else. And uh, scared to death. And uh, the family was so well known they couldn't have the funeral at the funeral home because it was too many people wanted to come. So they had it at First Presbyterian Church. And if you've ever been up there, it's a great big auditorium. And it was packed. And here was a little country preacher with a church of about 25 or 30 standing before three or 400 people. And so all I could do was preach what God gave me on that day. So I preached God's plan. So tonight, I want to go a little farther and preach God's plan for you. So, you Bible readers know about Joseph. And, and Joseph, the Bible says God is no respecter of person. You pray for us for just a few minutes. I'd really like to get to the Lord. The Bible says God is no respecter of person. God had a plan for Joseph. And he's got one for you. 
He's got one for Mike. He's got one for Marty. He's got one for John. He's got one for Johnny. He's got one for Gary. Got one for Lisa. Why did you know? He's even got one for Kaylee. Got one for Ezra. For all these boys and girls that sang tonight. He's got one for you. Specific to you. Now let's look at Joseph for just a minute. First time we read about Joseph, Joseph was out in the field with his brethren and he had a dream and he told his family the dream about how they were sowing sheaves and their sheaves bowed and gave obedience to his. He told them about dreaming about the sun and the moon and the stars and they hated him because Jacob loved him more than he did them as far as they could tell. And we read where Jacob made him a coat of many colors and he wore it out there on the day that he went to see about his brethren. And I'm not going to preach the whole message about, about Joseph, if the Lord will be my helper, but if that's the way he wants me to go. But we read where Joseph went down to see about his brethren, and the first thing we find out is they weren't where they needed to be. I believe, it's been a while since I've read it, but I believe he was supposed to go down to Dothan and to find them. And when he got to Dothan, they weren't where they were supposed to be. We're in trouble when we're not where we're supposed to be. And so he went down and finally found his brethren. And as he was approaching them, they began to whisper and mumble and how they resented Joseph. And they said, let's just kill him. Let's just kill him. And so when he got there, they took the coat off of him and they threw him down in a pit and they took the coat and they rent it and they took a kid and killed the kid and put the goat's blood on the coat so that it looked like something terrible had happened to him. And there was Joseph down in the pit. Have you ever had folks that didn't care much for you and maybe they said things about you that you didn't like? And, and you just named the lowest part you'd ever been in in your life? Well, maybe it's part of God's plan for you. If Joseph and brothers had never turned on him, he'd have never been all that Egypt had. He'd have never been over the, 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 <coughs> the corn that they stored and kept in store for the famine. His people would have never been saved had Joseph's brethren not turned on him. So we hear where Judah speaks up and he says, well, let us not kill him so his blood wouldn't be on our hands, but let's sell him into slavery. And so the little boy that was, that was down there, the little shepherd boy that was down there was, was thrown in the pit. He was sold into slavery. We read where that he went to Potiphar's house and God blessed him there. He, he prospered in a, as a slave. You wouldn't think about a slave prospered, but when God puts his hand on something, it's going to prosper. Oh, and so Joseph's life prospered. Everything that Joseph put his hand to was blessed. And Potiphar was smart enough to realize that God blessed Joseph 
So we put him in charge of all that he had. Now we read where there came a day that, that Potiphar's wife looked upon Joseph and she lusted after him and she said, lay with me. And he said, the master has put me in charge of all that he had except you and I'm not going to do this wicked deed. Now you would think that he might have been resentful because that his family turned on him. He might have resented the fact that he was sold into slavery and might have had a pity party. But Joseph followed God's will. Joseph stayed where God wanted him to stay. It might not be that you're at the place in life where you'd like to be, but God's plan will put you where you need to be so that you can be a blessing and a help to somebody else. God's plan for you. Joseph would have never... He'd want to go been thrown into a pit. No water, nothing to survive on. Who'd have wanted to been sold into slavery? That's not something we choose. And yet, Joseph prospered. And because Joseph refused to lay with Potiphar's wife, he took, she took his garment that he had slipped out of to keep from laying with her and said, look, look what's happened. They brought this foreigner in here. Here's his garment and Potiphar had him thrown in prison. Is that somewhere you'd plan to be? Is that somewhere I've been there? I used to go down to Jefferson County Jail and teach GED on Saturday mornings. And I'd have to step over the drunks to get to the table so that we could teach GED. It's not a place you'd like to be. There are a lot of people in there that are not friendly. There are a lot of folks in there that, that have met with trouble. And Joseph was down there in the prison with folks that had done wrong, that had done things that they, had, they, had, they were guilty of, and there was no doubt about it. And there he was, innocent. They all proclaim innocence, but God knows men's hearts only. And so down in the prison, the the person that was over the prison got to noticing that everything Joseph did was done well, that everything Joseph put his hand to prospered, and it wasn't long before Joseph was prospering down in the prison. They put him over everything that was in the prison. And we read it. Now listen, in a pit is not somewhere you would plan to be. Uh, sold into slavery is not something you would want to do. Uh, in the prison is not a place you would plan to go. But Joseph prospered everywhere that he went. Why? Because it was a part of God's plan. In the prison, see, nothing happens by change. In the prison with Joseph, there was the baker and the butler of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They'd been thrown in jail. And while they were in there, they both had a dream. Well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, preacher. It was part of God's plan. You can say what you want to. It was part of God's plan. If these men had never dreamed their dreams, Joseph would have never been at the right hand of Pharaoh. 
the butler dreamed his dream and he, he told it to Joseph. And Joseph said in three days, you'll be restored and you'll serve the king, the cup at his right hand. Oh, and so when the baker saw that, he, that the interpretation of the butler's dream was good, he told Joseph his dream. And Joseph said in three days that your head will be taken from you. And as sure as Joseph said that, it happened. And whenever Joseph talked to the butler, he said, whenever you're restored, remember me. And Joseph languished for two more years in the prison. Why would God have that man to languish down there two more years in the prison? Well, let me... Give it to you this way. He might have been in the prison, but he was still prospering. There might have been some more prisoners. The Bible doesn't say, but there might have been some more prisoners that Joseph could show love to. There might have been some more prisoners that Joseph could show compassion on. And there might have been some in there that Joseph showed what his God could do to. And after two years, and Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh dreamed about having seven fat calves and seven poor calves. He dreamed about seven good full ears of corn and seven ears of corn that was poor. And he asked anybody that could interpret the dream. And when he said that, the butler remembered what Joseph had done for him. When you show love and compassion, never fear. I believe the Bible said the Word of God would not return void. When you show mercy, don't be necessarily the preached Word of God. i tell you what it means. It means the Word that you carry out of this church and carry to your fellow man. When you carry words of love and compassion, it'll have results. It'll make a difference. And it's part of God's plan. The butler said, I remember my faults this day. And he told Pharaoh about a little Hebrew boy that his family had turned on, that he was a slave and had been accused of adultery and was in prison. Does that sound like somebody needs to be before a king? But yet it was all part of God's plan. I know there's a lot in this that I'm not preaching tonight. You can go back and read it. It covers about 12, 13 chapters of Genesis. Anyway, you know the story. Joseph appears before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream and he tells him there's going to be a famine. He says there'll be seven good years. In seven lean years. And he said, this is what I would advise you to do. Appoint you some man that you can trust and take up a fifth of whatever the harvest brings and put it in storage. And then when the famine comes, your people will have bread. They'll have corn. They won't be hungry. They'll be taken care of. What kind of a king would not want to take care of his of his people. And so when Pharaoh heard this and he figured out that he had to appoint somebody to be over this, he said, work when we find a man whom the Spirit of the Lord is in. Yeah. Who was qualified for that? But a little Hebrew slave falsely accused and sent to prison. It was all a part of God's plan. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen in our life. Just know God 
as a plan. So he put Joseph over all the corn that they kept. Meanwhile, down there at Jacob's house, the famine hit. The Jacob sent his children over to get corn out of Egypt. And you all know where this is going. You all know how they came. And Joseph had his, his servants put the money of his brothers back in, back in their full sacks. And they went back home with the same money they took to pay for the corn. We hear where they went down, and I believe it was a chalice or a, or a drinking cup or something like that that David put in Benjamin's put in Benjamin's bag, and, and they took that out, and he used that as a way to bring them back once again. I'm here to tell you today, God's got a way of saving His people, and if it takes us, be it in the be it in the in the pit, if it takes us being falsely accused, if it takes us being a slave, if it takes us being in prison, it'll work out where our people will be saved. Oh, had Joseph not been willing to follow God's plan, his brothers, his family, his father would have died. They'd have starved to death. But God's plan was to save many people alive. You know what? It's still His plan today. That was God's plan for a little Hebrew boy named Joseph. He's not the only one God had a plan for. God had a plan for a young widow woman that had never set foot in the church. We read where Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem, Judah. Cause of what? A famine. They had heard that there was bread down in Moab. And so they went down there to sojourn. And one of Naomi's sons married a little Moabite woman named Ruth. God's plan was to send Naomi and her family to Moab. You might not understand why God has you do the things you do. Just know His grand plan is to save people. <laughs> Let's get to Ruth's plan that God had set up. She had never been to church. She didn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She was a Moabitess. And yet God made a way that he could intervene and be her God. I'm sure Naomi was puzzled as to why God would take her husband. He passed. He died down there in Moab. And not many years after that, both of her sons died down there in Moab. And where did that lead Naomi? She just about didn't have any choice, did she? She was destitute. She was by herself, save for her two daughter-in-laws. Had no way of producing any food or any work. And she said, I'll go back down to Bethlehem, Judea. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that God made a way for Ruth. But there's no better thing you can do than to go back down to Bethlehem, Judea. 
Go back where you came from. Go back where the food was good. Go back where you were fed. Go back where that family is. What family, preacher? I don't have any. You've got a church family that loves you. Go back. Go back. Go back. <coughs> and you all know Orpha kissed Naomi, went back to her family. But Ruth said, I'm going to stay with you. She said, Your family will be my family. What you eat, I'll eat. What you drink, I drink. I'll go with you. Your God will be my God. Nothing but death will separate us. So a little widow woman didn't know a thing about the Lord. God made a plan just for her. I know we've got preachers, ministers, Evangelist, whatever you want to call them, that says God, if God's with you, He'll bless you financially. I don't read that in God's Word. I read where God's plan for Ruth was that she had to beg for corn. She had to glean the fields. If you know what gleaning means, you know that after the workers had gone through and they had picked every good-looking, fine-looking ear of corn, and the ones that looked the best, all that was left was just a few little old ears that looked like maybe they just had a few kernels of corn on them, but that's all it was. And that's what Ruth was doing. She was gleaning the field, just so happened. Now listen, it wasn't by chance. It was all part of God's plan just for Ruth that she was gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz. Part of God's plan for Ruth. You know what happened to Ruth? I'm not going to go all through it. When it came time to take care of, I believe the Naomi's husband was Abimelech or something of that nature. Boaz redeemed Naomi and Ruth <coughs> so that they could claim their inheritance. You may not think much of that. But Ruth went from bumming corn in a field she didn't own to owning the field that the corn grew in. That's part of God's plan. Moreover, what's God's grand plan? To save many people alive. Let's get to that part of God's plan for Ruth. You want to? So after Boaz redeemed Ruth. He took her to be his wife. A man from Bethlehem, Judah took a little Moabite widow woman that knew nothing about the Lord. People say, oh, it's all Israel. I'm I'm preaching to you tonight that God used a little Moabite widow woman in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The little woman had never darkened the door of the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, according to Jewish law, she wouldn't even have been let in through the door. And yet God used her and she brought forth a son named Jesse. And if you study your Bibles, you'll know that Jesse was the father of David. And David descended right down through the ledge until you get to Jesus. God's plan for a little Moabite girl that had never darkened the door of the church. And see, had Naomi's husband and her sons not died, Ruth may have never got back to Bethlehem Judah. She might not have never eat corn out of the field of Boaz. She might not have never have owned that same field. She might not have married Boaz. And she might not have brought brought forth Jesse, David's father. All that was God's plan for Ruth. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen in life. Just know God's got a plan for you. And it all involves saving somebody. Had Ruth not followed God's plan, had Ruth said, I'm just going to go back to my family. Where would we be? Because of Ruth's obedience, we have a Savior. Amen. Part of God's plan to save people alive. Let's go on. From a, from a, a young Hebrew boy that's thrown into a pit, made a slave, thrown in prison to sit at the right hand of Pharaoh, to a young widow girl. Moabite, husband, brother-in-law, father-in-law, all dead. And yet she sticks with her mother-in-law, begs for corn, owns the field that the corn came from, and brought forth Jesse, who brought forth David. And you follow the lineage right on to Jesus. See, God has a plan for everybody. Even a little orphan girl. Did you know that? God had a plan for a little orphan girl. We read where there was a little girl named Esther whose uncle Mordecai had taken her in (coughs) because her mother and daddy had died. They had passed away. You'd think that'd be awful, wouldn't you? For a child to lose both parents. And yet it was part of God's plan for Esther to save many people alive. Vasti, the the queen of Asparius, the king, had displeased him. And so he put her away. And they sent out for all the virgins to come so that he could choose a new queen. And whenever they brought, when Mordecai brought Esther in, she drew favor. Why? Because she prospered. Because that was part of God's plan. She drew favor with the servant that took care of the virgins. And when she appeared before the king, she drew favor with him. Because she was fire to look upon. God had a plan for this little orphan girl named Esther. 
Then we read about a fellow named Haman that wanted to kill all of the children of Israel that were in that landed country. And he got the king to make a degree that every one of them, that he could kill them. And we could go all into that. There's more than that I could ever preach out. But we read where when Esther went from being an orphan to being a queen, she heard about her uncle that she loved dearly that had raised her that was sitting down there at the gate in sackcloth and in ashes. And she wanted to know what was wrong with him because she cared about him and she loved him. So she sent her servant down there to check on him. And he relayed the news that the Jews were in trouble. That death was surely headed their way. Oh, and she said, I can't even send word back to her. And he, she sent word back to him saying, well, I can't even approach the king unless he extends the scepter. And, and, and Mordecai sent word back to Esther saying, if you don't do what God would have you to do. The Lord will bring rescue through some other way. But who knows if they aren't come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It was all part of God's plan for Esther so that the children of Israel, the Jews, could be saved. Remember Sunday night, I asked you if you want to be blessed. Or Wednesday night, I asked you if you want to be blessed. And in Psalm 1, it talked about not taking advice from the wicked. In the last part of the verse, it talks about not sitting in the seat of the scornful. You say, yeah, preacher, that's right. But you know how easy it is to sit down in that seat. It's real easy. You just think with this instead of thinking with this. And before you know it, you'll be sitting right down there in the seat of the scornful. You'll be saying, well, I don't know why they did that. I don't know what made them do that or say that. Looks like they'd know better. And the next thing you know, you're sitting in judgment of your brother or sister. Sitting right in the seat of the scornful. And when that happens, we all know we can't be blessed. Esther could have sat right still. She could have been right quiet. You know what Mordecai had to say to that? He said, just because you're the queen, you'll not escape either. Don't think you can sit on the pew and not do what God wants you to do and be blessed. It don't work that way. You may be a prisoner. You may be a poor fellow. But I've got good news for you. Blessed are the poor, for they shall have the gospel preached unto them. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I believe it's in the first of this chapter. Well, it's in the first of Matthew chapter 5 that we read to you from this morning. Esther could have sat right still, but her life would have been required just like every other Jew. God, it's part of God's plan for Esther that she be put in a position that she could save her people whenever danger was upon them that they could be saved that's always been God's plan 
is to save. What did, he, what did Jesus say? He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now let's get right on down to it. God made a plan for a little Jewish boy. Fell in a pit, was thrown in a pit, became a slave, went to prison, rescued his whole family because he said it to right hand of Pharaoh. God made a plan for a little widow woman of Moabitess named Ruth so that she could deliver Jesse who was in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we all could be saved. God had a plan for Esther when her people were in danger of being wiped out God took a little orphan and made her queen so that she could save, help save her people. God's got a plan for you so that you can be a soul winner too. So that you can lead people to the Savior. You want to know what God's plan is? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And let's go on. So many times I've seen religious folks want to point their finger at others because they're not living like they live. Let me get this verse too. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's what He's all about. It's not His will that any perish but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody to be saved. Boy, preacher, what about those drunkards? He wants them to be saved. What about those adulterers? He wants them to be saved. What about the homosexuals? He wants them to be saved. He, he said his son to Calvary to die for every soul that for, that's ever breathed a breath. Christ died for all of them. And let me tell you what will happen whenever they get a hold of God and they follow God's plan for them. It will lead them to change their ways. And the things they once loved, they, they'll hate. And the things they once hated, they'll now love. I'm here to tell you, God makes a difference. And when you follow His plan, it don't matter where your state is in life, you'll prosper. You'll be blessed. There is not a household represented here tonight that's not seen some adversity, that's not seen some change, that's not gone through a trial or a tribulation. I told you. Ruth brought Jesse into the world, and Jesse fathered David. We read where David lost, I know, of at least three children. We read about the child that he had with Bathsheba that died. We read about Amnon, I believe was his name, that was killed. We read about Absalom. He said, I'll go down to my grave weeping for Absalom. And yet this same man that lost three children, this same man that his sin was laid open out in front of all. How about, how about that? We have a hard time asking the Lord to forgive us. Well, David's sin was made open a shame in front of all Israel. 
Oh, how would you like for everything you've ever done, for every thought you've ever had, for every evil thing that ever crossed your mind to be broadcast to everybody you know? That was David. And yet, we read where David said, My cup runneth over. I'm glad. Now listen, David didn't always follow the plan, did he? That God had for him. We read where David got out. He committed adultery. He was a liar. He committed murder. But when he got down and said, Create in me a clean heart, he moved his life back to God's plan. Our plan, my plan, is not always God's plan. Sometimes I have to do things I don't like. <laughs> I can say this, I believe these other preacher men I know would back me up. When the Lord lays a hard scripture on your heart, one that you know is going to cut close, a man that loves his people, it'll grieve you. You'll lose some sleep. You'll pray and say, God, are you sure? I've had to get up and preach things I didn't want to. But i tell you what I did. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I humbled myself as low as I could go. And I preached with all the love God could give me. And whenever I did the things that flesh said no, don't do. When I did the things that went against this flesh. Oh, let me tell you something. It's not all candy. It's not all on the mountain every day. But when you'll follow God's plan and do the things that He wants you to do, even if it goes against this flesh, you'll be blessed. One of the hardest things for me, personally, is to let go. That's one of, my, one of my things. It's really hard for me to let go. But there comes a time when it's part of God's plan that you have to let go. Friend, God has a plan. Satan's got one too. Do you know that? Every one of these little boys and girls that stood right over here and sang, Satan would love for to destroy their lives. He would love for them to have sex out of marriage and have children. He would love for them to be hooked on dope. He would love for them to walk the streets, to be homeless. He'd love for them to be cynical and bitter. Listen, you don't have to commit adultery to have sin in your life. Did you know that? Yeah. Envy, jealousy, bitterness can keep you from following God's plan for you. Amen. Satan has a plan for every little boy and girl, for every man and woman. His grand plan is for you to burn in hell. That's the preacher, you should preach stuff like that. Well, listen. You know why I got saved? I was afraid of going to hell. I didn't want to go there. 
Miss Greg, I didn't know nothing about heaven. I hadn't quoted that scripture. I hadn't read that where it said, I go away to prepare a place for you. I just heard the preacher man preach. You must be born again. I'd heard him preach about hell. And I was afraid to close my eyes because I was afraid if I fell asleep and didn't wake up, that's where I'd be. I didn't want to go there. I was afraid of that place. And thanks be to God, God made a plan for a little ignorant eight-year-old boy. And I was smart enough to say, Jesus, please save me. That day, I agreed to God's plan for me. I'm not always following it, but here I am some 40 years later, and I'm blessed because God had a plan for a little ignorant boy like me. told you it's hard for me to let go. Young people, there'll be people come in your life, there'll be people leave your life. The one you need to hold on to is the Lord. I've seen youngest. Mama turn her back on. Daddy walk away. They don't even know who their parents are. But they've still got somebody that loves them. God does. And if we're right with the Lord, we'll love them too. It don't matter what they look like. It don't matter what they're into. It don't matter how they smell. If you're a Christian, God is love. We're love folks. God's got a plan for you. Who knows? What will be this church 20 years from? Here we see it. In 20 years, I'll be my dad's age. He left this world when he was 77. In 20 years, Marty will be in his 90s. John will be here in 100 years old. But in 20 years, the next song leader might be sitting right back there. We and these girls may have their own children and their husbands be preachers or deacons. She may have a husband and a family and be sitting right on the same pew that you're on tonight. What about that? If they follow God's plan for them, I believe this, God will have them in church. If they follow God's plan for them, they'll trust Him with all their heart and ask Him to save them. If they follow God's plan for them, they'll put Him first in everything that they do. Now you can do a lot of things, and I'm going to tell you this. Your mamas and your daddies are proud of you already. But nothing could make them more proud than to see you with the Spirit and power of God in your life. I remember a service a few months ago. Lady spoke up. She said, I'm glad I'm saved. What better could a mom or dad ask for than to hear their child proclaim salvation? Why, they could have a million dollars and die and go to hell. They could own the biggest house in East Tennessee, drive the fanciest car and die and go to hell. 
But if they know the Savior, if they signed on for God's plan for them, I'm here to tell you that neither height nor depth nor powers or principality is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. For I am persuaded that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. Aren't you glad? Oh, that'll be a day. My, my boys have grown. They've got married. They've moved off. They have their own families and their own homes. And there'll be a day that old dad won't be around anymore. They don't very seldom need me. They call me about once a week and talk to me. But there'll be a day that I won't be there for them. But I'm glad every one of them knelt somewhere and said, Jesus save me. Because when I can't be there, He can Now, if you don't remember anything that I preached to you tonight, remember this. God has a plan for you. When Satan comes by and he tempts you, and he will, well, he don't bother me, preacher, well, he will. He knows what your weakness is. And what bothers me may not bother you at all. And what bothers you may not bother me at all. But Satan knows exactly what to tempt you with. And he'll wait it right in front of your face. And he'll make it look so easy. I was talking with Miss Gray before church. You know what we've got to in this country? And I've preached it often here in the last little while. We celebrate sin. You know why our country is in the shape that it's in? When our founding fathers came to America, they came for religious freedom. And on every piece of coinage, on every bill that we've got, it says in God we trust. But well, we quit that a long time ago. We quit that. Yeah. We celebrate sin. We make it easy. We've made sin a lot more accessible. When I was a boy, and I'll hush you in a second. When I was a boy, I've traveled 25E all my life. When I was a boy, we went to Rankin, come right up 25E, turned off, went over the hill. When I left Rankin to Pastor Round Mountain, I came right up 25E, went up to Newport, went on 2570, went up to Round Mountain. Come here, I come down 25E, come right to Dutch Bottoms. Now there's one, there used to be three or four. You can call them a bar, you can call them whatever you want to call them. We called them a beer joint. They were closed on Sunday. We lived right across the bridge. So people would go to the back door to get what they wanted on Sunday instead of coming to the front door. Well, now they have no shame at all. You know what Satan told me as I passed the beer joint tonight? I counted 10 cars. He said, you'll be lucky if you have 10. Guess what, Satan? You lied. You lied. We celebrate sin. So you don't even have to go to the beer joint anymore. You can't go to a restaurant when it's not available. Even the Cracker Barrel. You can't go to the grocery store. It started out as half of an aisle. Now there's three aisles of beer and wine and you name it. And there it is. We celebrate sin. We make it easy. They cast lots. 
for the garment of Jesus. And now we're advertising and making it free for people to gamble. We celebrate sin. What was a shame 30 years ago, and you'd have never heard anybody say, I'm a homosexual. Now we celebrate it. We say that's the way they're born. Let me relay this to you. God made Adam and God made Eve as a helpmate for Adam. And I, you know where this comes from? I think a lot of it because we've quit bringing our children to church. We've quit. And listen, a lot of the folks I'm talking to you about right now are members of churches. This says we're to religiously educate our children. We're to tell them that Jesus loves them. We're to let them know that he'll pardon their sin. We celebrate sin. That's why we're in the shape we're in in this day and age. We've made everything easy, more accessible. I didn't know what drugs was until I got to high school. And now you can go to the doctor. People are hooked on more of what the doctor prescribes and what's illegal anymore. We've made it easy. We celebrate sin. They didn't know what pornography was. And now it's on everything you see. You can't even turn on network TV without seeing it. We celebrate sin. And until we get on our knees and we ask the Lord to forgive us, now listen, I know we think the Republicans have the answer, Democrats have the answer. The answer is on the altar at the church of God. Amen. Well, preacher, you saw that mob that crowded the Capitol. I couldn't have nothing to do with that. I couldn't have stopped them if I'd have been there. You don't have to be there. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If America's going to change, we need to get on our knees. And when we dismiss and go home, you need to find that altar at home and get on your knees again. And when you go to work in the morning, that little old corner or that desk where you sit at, or that little old locker where you keep your stuff, God comes by and says, say a little prayer, you need to pray again. Well, preacher, I'm busy. I've got a job. They don't pay me to pray. I'm telling you, you can do your job and pray at the same time. If God is with you, I'm here to tell you today, the Bible says pray without ceasing. We've quit. And that's why we're in the shape we're in. And it's not part of God's plan for us. Divorce. I've seen good men that were smart, smarter than me, could do anything, and they didn't follow God's plan for them. Life ruined. Lost everything they had because they wouldn't follow God's plan. God is. God is love. We can go farther if you want to. Love your enemies. Mm -hmm. Even them that would despitefully use you and cast your name out falsely as evil for my name's sake. 
You know, it's much easier to throw people away that have ugly things to say about you than it is to pray for them. God's plan involves us loving people. Joseph could have hated his brother, but he loved them. God's plan is love. God's plan is to save people. If he's not willing that any should perish, as I quoted you the scripture a minute ago, but that all should come to repentance. Boys and girls, I guess Sina's the youngest one here tonight. God's got a plan for Sina. Now, I'll not call out the oldest one, but God's got a plan for you too. You may wonder why God's given you all these years. You may wonder why God's left you around this long. It's because he's got a plan for you to be a help to somebody. He's got somebody that you can help lead to Jesus. He's got somebody that needs your wisdom, that needs your kindness, that needs your compassion. And when your plan is completed, God will call you home. Until then, you've got work to do. I've seen, preacher, you need to hush right now. I've seen folks that said, well, I'm just going to, ministers that will say I'm going to retire. I don't read that. It's not in this book. I believe every day God gives you, he's got something in his plan for you to do. And when we sit around and we're selfish and we use that day for us instead of the Lord, we fail the Lord. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know it's good to read God's word, don't you? But how often do we neglect it? You know it's good to love people, to pray for them. And how often do we get too busy and the whole day is going by before we really... We'll say prior before we eat a meal... Bless this food and nourishment our bodies. Or you may say God is great, God is good. But when you really pray, he talk, you talk to him and he talks to you. We don't need to let a day go by without we really pray. God has a plan for you. And it's to help win. It's to help save some soul. Don't neglect his plan. Don't do what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. Because it might mean salvation to somebody. God has a plan for you.